0: This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. I am Sandy Scarlata, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. If you have any questions you would like answered on this podcast, or just in general, please email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com or visit www.sandyscarlotta.com to schedule a free call. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoy it. Today's guest is Christian LaFur, founder and CEO of instantnonprofit.com. Where they've launched more than 3,500 tax exempt 501c3 nonprofits for founders creating change worldwide. Their done for you nonprofit launch packages take care of all of the government filings and documentation, then they help you grow and sustain your nonprofit. Christian's stealth mission is to help individuals realize and manifest their hidden potential. After a series of personal crises, he lost everything in 2016 which triggered a deep awakening for which he is so grateful. So you can imagine how excited I was to have this conversation. Christian, hello there. How are you? It's so great to finally see you. I feel like we scheduled this months ago.
0: I know, and I'm so excited to be here. So you've already achieved the goal of happiness. I am super joyful to be with you
1: fantastic. So funny cuz my past few interviews they've all mentioned that in the beginning and I'm like, "Well, that's a good thing." <laughs> cuz I really don't want anybody on here that's not happy.
0: <laughs> that's for sure.
1: Right? All right. So, I'm looking at your bio. I have another I have screens up here. If I if I look away, it's cuz I'm looking up at my screens. Um and then I get this nice glare in my glasses, which you just I was teasing him before cuz he just took his glasses off and I'm like, "Well, I I could do that, but I don't see very well." Well, you need I just my try ears. to walk
0: outside. I always try to do a little state change right before I go into something like this because I'm on customer service, you know, management calls, all that stuff. I went outside. It's absolutely beautiful. And what it does is it darkens my glasses quite a bit. So I'm just showing up with my bright blue peepers here.
1: Awesome. Now, where are you located?
0: Denver, Colorado. 300 days of sun a year.
1: Okay. So I was... In your, um, when you set up the interview with me, you must, you you may want to change your time zone settings on your computer because it says Bogotá, Jamaica. I'm like, oh, cool. I haven't talked to anybody from Jamaica. Yeah.
0: I think, well, maybe that's my computer kind of manifesting for me a vacation.
1: (laughs) I know. So that's why I was, because you're like, it's a beautiful day. And I'm thinking, well, of course it is because he's in Jamaica. (laughs) If only. All right. We digress, but that's quite all right. So I'm looking at your bio, and it sounds like you had a couple of rough years um, a few years ago. So I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear about your story, you know, like prior to that. Like, you know, how did you get into, you know, the line of work that you're doing now before, you know, I with the the whole thing. <laughs>
0: awesome. And, you know, we only have two, three hours, so what what's the rush, yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when I was eight years old, my my mom uh, had taken my little sister to the doctor, and I'm out playing with my friends in North Jersey, where I grew up in this great area of woods that soon after that became a mall. And she called me inside, and she you know, my mom's a pretty light-hearted person. she looked very serious. And she had taken my little sister, who was almost four. Uh, to the doctor because Monique was not verbal, right? She wasn't really developing like the other kids. Nothing, no physical deformities. You couldn't see anything was wrong. And, of course, I didn't have any sisters to compare her to. So she, my mom sat me down and said, you know, the reason that your sister isn't speaking like the other kids her age is because she's developmentally disabled, back, back then what we called mentally retarded. She, she would be special, right? And I was like, well, she's special to me. Uh, thanks a lot mom for the info I'll see you later I'm going back out to play and it wasn't long after that in third grade that my mom was called in she was you know single mom gets called in from work has to come and pick me up I'm in the office in trouble suspended from school for fist fighting in the hall and she goes what is going on and I have my arms folded And the principal is trying to get me to apologize, and I absolutely refuse to apologize because back then it was the 70s, right, and they were mainstreaming the special kids into the, into the regular schools. Now you remember kids were institutionalized, even if they were only marginally, you know, uh, compromised in that way. That's right. And so they were mainstreaming these kids. And so I had been walking through the hall and I saw some of the, some other kids making fun of the special kids in the hall. I don't remember what happened. All I know is I ended up in the office and there was somebody with a fat lip. And so, and I refused to apologize and they're like, this is very serious and everything you know, to my mom. And what I didn't realize is that little talk that my mom had with me had me in my heart, you know, fighting for the underdog. And I've been doing that my whole life now that I go back and kind of look at the hero's journey that I've been on. So in 2010 or so, when I volunteered to start a nonprofit with a few friends, I was like, well, why don't you, you build a website? Why don't you go out and raise a little money? I'll take this application thing. I mean, how hard can it be? And I became morally outraged at how difficult it was to get a nonprofit started, how the the IRS didn't really give you any information. And they kind of chuckled almost, or you could hear the sinister, you know, chuckle in the background saying, oh, don't worry, kid, this is going to take, you know, a year for us to approve. Uh, Don't, you know, hold your horses, because I want, I'm like, we want to get started. You know, what what do I get? What
1: year was this, Christian? That was around
0: 2009, 2010. When I did the the first 501c3 application. So I was morally outraged. I had to sit with it, and I realized it was also tied back to that sense of really, you know, if there are other people like the wonderful people that I grew up around in Special Olympics trying to help kids like my sister and they're going through this, something has to be done. So instead of being patient like they told me to and, and, you know, waiting for my agent to call me. They gave me the agent's phone number. Of course they were never around when I wanted them. So I called about 30 extensions north and south of that number by just changing the last couple of numbers knowing I'd probably get somebody in the IRS exempt organizations department. And I would, you know, I'd, I'd tell them I was gonna send chocolates, presents, whatever. I'd beg, plead, cajole. Why is this such a ridiculous process? Why does it take so long? Um, what would make a perfect file? And then I, I realized the killer question. What would make you feel like somebody cared about your job as a bureaucratic worker inside the IRS? And I, you know, separator pages, table of contents, the kind of things that would just make their life easier on one file. And so I dreamed up what I call the love letter to a bureaucrat. And that is the file that I sent in. If Selma Hayek was an IRS agent and I wanted her to fall in love with me, what kind of file would I hand her, right? And so I got a 45-day approval on that one, and I realized I had solved my own problem, but I might, might, might have a solution that somebody else could use. And lo and behold, somebody in town uh, who was starting a little a school in a rural area we lived in, they also needed a nonprofit started quickly because someone who sold their tech company – uh, in that rural area, for a lot of money to a big company, uh, wanted to sponsor this school, but they wanted kids to be registered that school year. And so that was when the challenge was on. It was easy to do for me. And again, I delivered ahead of the seven weeks before which they had to register the kids. And that person funded the school. That school is still up and running. And I realized well, I really might be on to something. And now 4,000 charities later, I am at the epicenter of some really beautiful energy every day to wake up and help people and act good in the world.
1: Wow. You've helped over 4,000?
0: Yeah, from end to end. Uh, We've helped tens of thousands of others, I'm sure, on the Internet with videos and little how-tos here and there. But taking Chain of the Custody... With our done-for-you 501c3 creation process, we've done 4,000 or so and counting.
1: That's incredible. And the reason I asked what year it was was because I formed a couple of nonprofits over the years. And I remember it was around 2009, 2010, that time frame. And one of the reasons why, because that's one of the things like for me is like, you know, I just, I want to give back so badly. That's why I do this podcast, you know, in case you didn't know listeners, podcasts cost money to produce and I'm yes. this is my expensive hobby. <laughs> but, um, I ended up having to put it aside, went through a divorce and whatnot. And that was part of the reason why it never really took off because it just took so long. And yeah. I'm so happy to hear that because that's, it's a very daunting thing for me since I've been through it three times, forming mm-hmm. a nonprofit. Um, it's one of those things that I really want to do is to start my own non- nonprofit, but I just don't have time, right? Yeah. Just thinking like, about oh, all of the work and, oh, yeah. you know, so that's yeah, a really I, I great use the service. analogy
0: all the time. If people knew what they had to do for 18 years, to get this fragile little thing to adulthood. No one would ever have a baby if they knew everything and they had to have everything perfect on day one. This is an exercise in knowing what is appropriate for each age and each stage of a baby, and it's the same thing with a nonprofit. So part of our job is not only to absolutely hand you 100% one hundred percent of the things you need to start a nonprofit—we don't just do the filing. We set up your board documents and give you training on how to run a board meeting because most people haven't done that before, and lots of other things that help you raise money quickly and just get out of the blocks fast. Right? You need—you need baby food. Not everybody can make the baby food, sew the diapers, and do all the other things. Right? So we give you a done-for-you 501c3 because. The one piece of magic that only you can bring is your experience and your angle on how you're going to make the world a different place. The paperwork that you've done it two more times than most founders ever will, because most people that start a nonprofit are only going to do that once, and there's no reason to become an expert in something that doesn't really have the value add. You're so much better off learning to raise money, helping the people that you want to help. and doing outreach and making people aware of your nonprofit, and that's why we're here to kind of take all those burdens of not only starting the nonprofit, but then maintaining it. What filings do you need? Um, How do you set it up operationally to make sense, and then how do you raise your first up to a half million dollars or so? Once you've raised a half million dollars, there are plenty of nonprofit service agencies that can help you from there to really scale if you want to do something really big. But for most nonprofits, it's getting from that idea to IRS approval and then from zero dollars to about half a million dollars. And that is the niche that we fill and no one provides the level of value that we do. We really sell a success package, not just a filing package. And so I'd love to help you with your your next.
1: (laughs) We could talk about that offline, but yes, (laughs) absolutely. So I want to I want to go back to your sister and all of that in a minute, but I want to stick with the nonprofit since we're there, since we're there. Um, let, let's talk about how nonprofit is such a, a nonprofit is such a powerful way to give back and how that is such a powerful tool for a really great mindset, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a TED talk and a book and it's called you know the, the, the 501c3 nonprofit the quantum entity how to superposition your life your legacy and your future through a nonprofit and what that means right is there are three perspectives through which we all look at our, our lives this weird existence in the matrix that we're all living and that is um, how, how we wake up and look forward to the de- every day and look forward to the future how we experience our day in the now, right? What what we're doing on day to day, and then as we get older, and someday, you know, we're all going to pass on to the next life. What did we leave behind? What is our legacy? And so, from there, those three perspectives, a nonprofit can really powerfully transform the way all three of those perspectives will look um, in, in in your future, and. Um, there are things, just an, as an example, we start nonprofits for people who have never done any kind of business. They had a job, or they, they were a, a mom and homeschooled six kids, and that's what they've been doing. All kinds of people, all the way over to um, you know, people that just came out of a Tony Robbins you know, uh, motivational seminar or a, a, a transformational retreat. They've exited their tech company, or they've retired successfully in corporate. They know how to get things done, and in either case, they want to get started and make a difference in their community or worldwide. And um, for for the successful people, uh, we often start nonprofits alongside of existing businesses. Maybe they haven't exited yet, but they're just they've they've topped out. They kind of you know it's not after a while, the next deal does not make you very excited, right? But if you start a nonprofit alongside of your for-profit, even in the same sort of area, right? Now, it could be serving a completely different area of need and just be helping people overseas, helping people in Ukraine, whatever it is. Or in some cases, somebody who owns a construction company will start like a Habitat for Humanity type organization. And it really can lend a whole new vigor to their lives and their business because they're seen as a corporate... Uh, you know, a good corporate steward, a good, it puts a halo on their business and on themselves in the community that they're not just sitting here piling up money, but they're really giving back powerfully. So it really, what we do runs the gamut for people because everyone has their own distinct vision and path. Um, And, you know, everyone is able to contribute what only they have experienced in their lives and solving a, a little gap in a problem somewhere that nobody else has.
1: Mm, yeah, that's, that's really fantastic. So has anybody come back to you? Because this is show about happiness. I want to hear how, by doing a nonprofit or starting a nonprofit, how that really is so fulfilling that it does change your life from your peace and happiness standpoint.
0: Well, there's a couple of different levels that we all operate on, um, and I'll give a great example. One of my best friends, and he became my best friend through this work, uh, is a name named Sammy Taggett. He uh, he's also he also goes by the DJ name Shoebox Moses. Now, Sammy was found a screaming newborn abandoned in a shoebox in a in a dumpster in Manila. And someone heard this baby, rescued him from the trash, and brought him to this orphanage. Eventually, he was adopted over to the U.S. And long story short, you know, no li- nobody's life is easy, right? Like it's like the the forty-year overnight success. But Sammy is now a DJ to Mind Valley, um, Richard Branson, all kinds of these amazing people at these amazing entrepreneurial festivals and, and music festivals, and. I'm actually on the board of Sammy's nonprofit because I ran into Sammy doing a video gig at some startup event. And when he heard about what I what I do, he literally backed me up against a wall and said, I need your help. I've been looking for you. I've been trying to start this nonprofit for three years. And what Sammy does now is brings back uh, entrepreneurial tools, iPads, training, and a glimmer of hope to these kids that are in the nonprofit Or in the orphanage in the Philippines that there's a gig economy they can plug into. There are skill sets that they can plug into in this global connected economy to lift themselves not only out of poverty, but to have community and friendships and a life of meaning. And so that's an example of, you know, someone who saw a way to give back. And now Sammy, that's the favorite thing he gets to talk about. Yes, he does these cool gigs with cool people, but what he's most excited about is going back and seeing these kids' faces light up when he's able to, you know, just provide them. He looks like them. He is from where they're from, and he's able to help them just by giving them that, that thing that's more valuable than any amount of, you know, yes, we all need to stay alive. But food, clothing, shelter, etc. cetera, right, that's at the base of Maslow's hierarchy. And he gives them what's at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy, which is hope and connection and and oneness with a future that really wouldn't have been available to them if they didn't do that now yes you have many everyday heroes as well who you know are, are we're, we're all there, there's so many people uh that we're hearing about the 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 great um resignation be, because of the pandemic people are going to do my values that i Do the things I spend time on every day match the values that I have for my life and the the hope that I had once for my life? And so even though it's been tough over the past years, I think people are waking up to their purpose and they're willing to give up a job or they're willing to give up, you know, what might satisfy them today with some basic needs for something that's a little bit more meaningful. So we're seeing this happen on a really widespread basis. And I have talked to many, many founders who are like, this is it. I've been given every excuse, and now with all the changes in the job market because of the pandemic and the world, I'm going to do this thing that has been on my heart for years.
1: Mm, I love it. And while you were say, saying all of that, explaining that, and that's such a beautiful story, an example of one of your friends and clients, and now you're on the board, um, it, it it sounds like it, ga- it gave him a purpose Definitely. that is above and beyond... His craft, or his being a DJ, and all of that—like right. that—all well, all that's really awesome. But that is a real purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and why was he given thing.
0: this platform? He was—he believes he was given this platform yeah. of the stage to do the greater work, right? That he's now doing, and and that's that connection that's really important. And exactly. there are so many levels of this that I mean, we could go on all day about. Um, The kind of layers that we have of of meaning and purpose in our lives but you know i've even been through what i do is inherently i believe inherently good right i help good people do good things around the world but even in my own journey right sometimes you have to go that layer deeper i went through a really tough uh reckoning with myself I didn't realize I had a lot of limiting beliefs uh, as a child and so I'm driving, you know, I'm I'm a middle class kid from Jersey and I'm just driving this thing and I've got this great mission and great purpose helping people with nonprofits. But I had a little bit of a crisis a few years ago because I wasn't internally aligned with what I was doing. So everything looked great. I mean, who wouldn't want to wake up and feel great about what they do every day? But I wasn't operating in a way that was sustainable for me and I had to lose quite a bit and go through a divorce. Um, the business went through quite a bit, even though we always served customers mightily with really great value. Um, I had to go through this kind of reckoning and have some a lot of things really go, go, go up in flames to um, realize that there was another layer that I could settle into of uh, flow and of grace and of kind of giving myself a little bit of love and a break that I hadn't done before. And I was really concerned that I was going to lose my business in in that process. And what actually happened was it all came back to me uh, much more on my terms, much more sustainably and gently and beautifully. So that um, it's like something that I really find valuable to talk about to people now, especially entrepreneurs, especially the empaths who are often the people who start nonprofits, is you have to love yourself in the process of loving these other people and making the world a different place. You have to give yourself that love and grace as well. And so that's a whole another layer of uh, understanding about purpose that has really blown me away over the past several years.
1: That's awesome. And you know, sometimes we have to, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, I'm a happiness coach and I still have <laughs> issues and struggles and and things that come up i mean that's just life where but every time you go through and you get to the other side you know you realize what it happened for me not to me right, right. and that you're just going to be stronger than you were before so it's it's always it doesn't feel like it when you're through the muck and all that and you're going through it it feels horrible but boy you get to the other side and it's like oh you know, it's amazing.
0: You wouldn't give it's it up amazing. for the world, right?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting how you had your your sister who's special needs. And that, that became this driving force for you and you didn't even realize it. And you know what? not that I'm condoning fighting in schools, of course, my son is in college now and I'm so thrilled that I never got called in for him fighting because he's not a fighter. I was like, Oh, okay. We got through, we got through those years, no fighting. Um, But uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Like I kind of feel like that kid had it coming. I don't know. I know that's not a nice bad juju to be putting out there. You know what I mean? But, but you know what? Like you were taking you were being your big brother. I mean, you were being her big brother, of course, you know. It's your job to stick up for her. For sure. Yeah, I mean,
0: there comes a point for all of us, I think, where it might not be fist, but we're taking a stand at some personal, you know, risk is really important. And I think You know, in this world we're living in, I mean, we've seen this with such division where algorithms are being programmed to drive us apart and and have us at each other's throats and road rage and, um, all of these things that you see manifesting in society because people aren't able to, you know, be real. And then they go to church or they go to their, you know, their neighborhood group. And, uh, if you feel guarded all the time and you can't share what's really going on for you, um, it become it can become a very lonely place, and I, we're seeing a lot of you know mental illness and neuroses kind of skyrocketing. People are on SSRIs all over the place, and all that is 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 the suppressed emotion. That doesn't mean you just walk around and punch somebody if you want to.
1: Right, exactly. No, <laughs> not at time. all.
0: <laughs> There's a point we all face where we have to take a stand, and we're all um, you know we're all being right now. I think challenged uh, as. There's a lot of forces in the world that are trying to tell us what we can say and what we can't. Look at the Elon Musk and, and Twitter debate. Um, free speech used to be taken you know, kind of for granted, and now there are certain people who want to qualify it and, and be the arbiters of free speech. There are certain people who want to have unlimited free speech. There are people who say things that are not very nice and, in fact, dangerous, nasty, or even illegal. So you know, how do we weigh all that stuff? But we can't be afraid to uh, really, again, express our values and try, not try, but actually be a part of society that we want to to be involved in and preserve those freedoms that we've had and preserve the ability to be human because we can't be all, uh, you know, anesthetized on on pharmaceuticals enough to just be, you know, to be cattle, right? So how do we find that balance, um, of expressing what we really want to express and being who we want to be while being respectful and loving of others, right? That's the big, right. that's the big trick, but, you know, um, doing things like taking a stand for something, uh, whether it's human trafficking or a little league team in your town, that's what starting a nonprofit is all about to me, or it's at least part of the solution right we can't delegate all of our power to to other people to experts to government you know to institutions I love the fact that people still pick up the mantle and say I'm going to do something about this and then they go out and do it
1: yeah exactly and and it just it, it brings so much value to yourself to others and the world and your community especially you know so I love what you're doing it's amazing is there anything else that you haven't talked about that you want to let our audience know I
0: mean there is so much to a nonprofit, right you have to incorporate it you have to get the EIN tax ID number you have to get the tax exempt status and a whole bunch of things that go underneath all of that then it's like oh my gosh now I have this thing what do I do with it to operationalize, find volunteers, build a website raise money so there isn't enough time to cover every possible thing. But what we've done is we've created a really nice gift for your listeners so that whatever elevator they want to get off on in this you know, uh, process, they, they can, right? So anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more, maybe going through our free 10-day boot camp to decide, do I have what it takes to start a nonprofit? What are the steps before I get started? Uh, they can get that at instantonprofit.com slash happiness solved. So you've got your own link. They don't even have to remember anything new. Instantonprofit.com slash happiness solved. No uh, dashes in there. And they can get the 10-day free boot camp. We have over 100 blog posts on every day. Matt, thing you can imagine. How do I name my nonprofit? How do I come up with a mission statement? All those things. And then they can also schedule a free strategy session if they want to learn more because it might not be right for you right now, but some people just want to learn a little bit more because these things, these dreams that we have, gestate in our hearts for years often before we do anything about them. And it's really great to know that there's a place that you can go for just some information, no pressure. We're here to allow people to find their own path to fulfillment and self actualize. And if that involves a nonprofit, great. If it doesn't, well, you can at least learn a lot or you can tell your aunt Gertrude who wants to go save the little kitties in her neighborhood.
1: <laughs> I love it. Christian, this has been so valuable and such valuable information today. And thank you so much. Thank you a real pleasure.
0: so much. It's been great. I really enjoyed it.
1: I absolutely love what Christian is doing and his mission because we need these nonprofits. And I'll tell you what, I've started a couple of nonprofits in the past, and I wish I had that type of service to help me because it's a lot of work. So, anyway, if you're thinking of starting a nonprofit, please check out www.instantnonprofit.com. So, thank you so much for listening today. As always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.